Welcome, and thanks for joining me today on Mortgage Manager Playbook, a podcast for sales leaders who want to improve their team's sales performance and originate more loans. I'm Pat Sherlock, your host. Today's topic is the important topic, are new investors entering the mortgage capital markets arena? And I have the perfect expert, my friend, David Burris, and he is an experienced capital markets person. He is currently director of mortgage MSR sales at MCT. Prior to that, he was with Arch, PMI, and has been a long career, a successful career within mortgage banking. Hi, David. Hi, Pat. How are you? Good. Well, I'm excited about this topic because I think there's a perception that new people are not coming into our world. And I think by you being on the capital market side, you see this every day. But before we jump into that, talk about how did you get into the mortgage business? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I had a mother-in-law who said that she thought I was a good salesperson and that I could make a lot more money in the mortgage business based on what I was currently doing. So I uh, sold telephone systems and computer networks for Honeywell, you know, back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it funny how we all come from so, so different backgrounds and and yet we've had long careers in mortgage banking. And so you went from phone systems to capital markets. That is wonderful. Um, Talk about your challenges in your current position. You certainly are an MSR experience guru. So talk about what you see from a challenge standpoint. Uh, I think, um, you know, from an industry, from an MSR perspective, the big challenge is really people managing their MSR values in the last, uh, since COVID, it's probably been more excitement around MSR than there's been in, you know, 20 years. You know, it used to be MSR values or pricing grids or things like that were pretty sleepy items on a capital markets person's menu. But as of the last several years, it's... Um, not only because there's less originations and servicing is more important, uh, the value has also been volatile. So that leads to how do you see the rest of it? This is a question every mortgage banker wants the answer to. How do you see the rest of this year kind of playing out from a capital market standpoint? And how do you see 2024? Well, I, I'll have to give that from an MSR perspective. I'm Really, my hand's not in the day-to-day trading side, sure. so I'll leave that to others. But from the MSR side, again, I just emphasize that the value of the portfolio is growing day by day, and it's because there's less originations, uh, depending on whoever's numbers you want to track. Uh, uh, originations are dramatically down. And there, so two things really happen. One is the focus of what the value of the portfolio someone has becomes under a microscope and any movement it makes has a big uh, impact on the balance sheet. So how to handle that appropriately, how to work with that, how to manage that will continue to be a key item through the course of Q4 and in the next year. In, in terms of kind of where, where the values go, I I think there's, um, you know, a couple of things going on there. I do think that um, the the older the books get, there's two major things kind of going on inside the value of a book. One is there's a big, um, everybody's all excited about some type of opportunity to refinance. So let's hope that occurs and let's hope that originators get some some of that uh, activity going. Um, 
but uh, and so the impact of that on a book uh, on an MSR book is to kind of put some D value out there because you're looking at loans going off the books. On the other hand, you still have, you know, a lot of low note rates that look like they'll be on the books for a long time. So that certainly helps. So I, I we kind of see values kind of leveling out from a, from a fair value standpoint. From a market value standpoint, we really see values really starting to the, you know, on the bulk market, if you're trying to sell, probably think that the fourth quarter values may drop a bit because they're we're anticipating a larger number of deals on the market at that point in time. And buyers capacity will be less because they've bought most of what they want to buy earlier in the year. So when you look at 2024, what what is the forecast on the MSR side for that for that year? You know, there, there's been a little bit of a pattern that's developed from from the bulk perspective that I'll touch on. And, and that is once buyers get fresh checkbooks, they're really looking to buy. So usually Q1 and Q2 in the bulk markets are very active and usually pricing is pretty good. The reason for that is, is that the uh, that the major buyers and even the new ones that have come out in the marketplace are looking to get loans on their books as quickly as they can, because then the income has um, a more immediate impact. So we certainly see bulk activity busy in Q1 and Q2. And it really just depends on how the rest of the year kind of unfolds. This Q3 this year is, is actually maintaining a pretty good pace. So, uh, but for Q4, I certainly see Q, um, excuse me, for 24, I certainly see Q1 and Q2, a very active bulk market. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into our topic today about new investors coming into the market. Certainly what you were talking to me about the other day was that you're seeing quite a few. Talk about what that looks like this year and how do you see this all playing out in the future? Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll try for the first part. Second part's a pretty big. <laughs> yeah, sure. Pretty big deliverable. But anyway, the... Um, in terms of seeing lots, uh, we do see a lot of new buyers in the market. Many of them are realizing that there's less originations. And therefore, one of the ways to really impact their income is if they can just buy. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing much smaller buyers and then a much more active market on the bulk market on smaller size packages, packages under a billion. It, old school would tell you that you had to have at least about a billion dollars or buyers wouldn't take a look. But now you have a number of people that are, you know, total origination, I mean, total portfolios are 10 billion, five to 10 billion are out there actively trying to buy, you know, interim size books, you know, 100 to 500 million dollars they're in the market for. So it's it's done a really, um, it's improved uh, prices on smaller sized uh, books that are are trying to be sold. So when you look at who are these buyers that are under a billion uh, that are in the market, are they just other mortgage bankers or other banks that are not having a good year from an origination standpoint? Or are there other types of investors coming in? There's a broad, and, and I said under 10 billion. So uh, in terms of originations or portfolio size. So um, there, it, it's it's somewhat of a mixed bag. So the there is a group of mortgage bankers that um, are not producing the originations that they want, and they look at being able to buy 
bulk as a way to fill that in. Then there's uh, then there's continued interest from Wall Street. So we're starting to see more and more Wall Street firms trying to take a look at the market, trying to find some way to enter it. How can they how, how can they buy up books at some point in time? And in their case, it's really just kind of pin up capital, trying to find a place to, to be. And so these guys have money to buy mortgages. And um, so and many of them are looking for talent to help them do that, as well as looking to try to buy opportunistically for you know their investors. So we see I'd say those are the two primary primary new kind of types of entrants. The old ones still exist. You know, people with large portfolios have 10, 20, 30 billion a year that's running off that they've got to find replacements for. So and that's still occurring. So. so when you're looking at these buyers in the market this this year, what was it that they valued? What was it? How did they look uh, at the portfolios and where were they coming out on certain characteristics that you seen that you're seeing that's important to them? Well, for the smaller sized buyer, they're really looking for something that fits their geographic footprint that would make some sense for them to have some type of cross sell opportunity or enhance the positions of their origination staff. So that that's kind of the smaller buyer. The larger buyer basically is just looking at performance issues and trying to model out what cash flows would look like and see how long it would stay on their books and how good of an investment it would be, you know, for the clients they represent. So has delinquency come into play? In other words, obviously we're at low delinquencies now. Are, is there concern on the investor side regarding delinquencies rising? Um, we've seen a very slow movement. Well, well I, I think that topic really divides out into kind of conventional versus government loans. On mm -hmm. the conventional side, you've seen the same reports that I have, you know, you're almost at all time lows for delinquencies on conventional business. There's a slight tweak upwards um, uh, that we're seeing. And we do think over time, I mean, particularly if the government still continues to be big on the fact that you're going to have to have a, a worse job market before you're going to have a better economy. If they really push on that, then what does that do to delinquencies? We are watching credit go up, credit use go up. So, but so far, nothing really threatening on the horizon like there's been in our past, you know, 10, 20 years. So, um, so that, that one's kind of, we're just kind of watching it to see what develops, but no real worries at the moment. The one that's the real challenge is the government side. And th that has, um, it really, buyers really are, the packages really separate out into delinquency rates. And I'm just going to use an approximate. Somebody could pick a different number, but around this range, you know, if you exceed 8% delinquencies, people are, are not going to look at it or give you some ridiculously low price for it. If it's under eight, particularly six to eight, then that, uh, that uh, we've seen the, the government business trade at really high levels. So it's it's a story of you know it's a tale of two cities. You're either kind of in or you're out. But if 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 you have good delinquencies, then there are a lot of people that want to buy that business. And that, the the issue there is you know I got a chance to attend the servicing conference earlier in the year. Governments are really faced with uh, the I, the fact that all of the remedies from the COVID days are gone. They don't have all those 
tools that they could to help um, address delinquencies. They, they really only have two now. They have the ability to lengthen the term of the mortgage to 40 years. And then the president of uh, Ginnie Mae also suggested that they could apply for a partial claim, which they could use that partial claim to also affect the monthly payment to try to keep the borrower in the home. But after that, there, it you know, there's there's not a lot of tricks left in the bag. So hope that helps. So when, when you look, David, at this issue of especially the rating agencies have now come out with downgrading with some community banks, and now they're talking about some big banks, how, how is all of that flowing into the world of MSR trading? Yeah, so obviously, the, the, well, the one of the big ones that affected us was, you know, FHFA just talking in general mm-hmm. to the market saying we, we'd like to get more we'd like to see you value your portfolios more often. And, and they're trying to develop some consistencies around that because in the marketplace itself, there seems to be, there, there, there has been a wider opinion. Uh, this is, you know, certainly I'm giving my opinion here, but I, I think the reason for this is there's been some, uh, the, the FHFA has seen maybe that there's a little bit too much discretion on how to value a portfolio. And so therefore the least thing that they want to do is at least get it valued more often and try to get it valued by, you know, people that have been doing that type of service for quite some time. Um, And so we are watching our average valuation clients uh, move from monthly to quarterly. And then a lot of them from quarterly to monthly, I'm sorry, from annual to quarterly and then from quarterly to monthly, I'd say right now about 60% of our client base is on a quarterly uh, valuation um, assessment plan for themselves. I'd say about the other 25% of that is um, are, are on monthly uh, analysis. And then the, the remainder is, is really, there. there's a handful still left doing an annual, uh, just an annual valuation. So from your viewpoint, and you deal with certainly so many lenders, so are they are they obviously are, are they reaching out to you to get market color or are they reaching out to you to help them actually do the analytics? Well, I'd, I'd say all the above and they do it in different ways. You know, we and I'm sure other firms as well, but at MCT, we do all things. Uh, we offer all things MSR services wise, except hedging. We believe that if you value it, you shouldn't hedge it. So. Uh, we partner with um, some hedging uh, hedging firm to to deliver that service. But having said that, the, the the basics are that if you have a portfolio, you need to get it valued. You need to have a third party valuation, and you need that for lots of reasons: for your board, for how you're going to account for it. Um, and uh, so, in that, tons of the, the the big issue is is what's my value? Why is it this? And why did it change? So that conversation occurs all the time uh, because people that are not familiar with MSR suddenly have to explain why their portfolio values either went up or went down by typically millions of dollars. So um, we're uh, often engaged in those conversations and really try to help our clients with strategy to help kind of protect themselves or um, take themselves out of the situation of being in a, in a whipsaw or a roller coaster environment. 
So when you're making these presentations to the boards, and I know you probably have done this a zillion times, but what is it that you typically find board members asking, uh, and you kind of just touched on it, and what are the, the normal things that you make sure that they understand? Because many of the board members may not actually, you know, obviously be financial people. Yeah, we, uh, you know, in that case, we're we're really not often in front of boards, but what mm-hmm. we are doing is equipping the people who manage the MSR values for either their boards or their regulators. We do that on a regular basis. So I, I, first and foremost, if you talk about regulators, regulators just don't want to see that you keep changing your assumptions uh, all over the place. And why do you change? Them? So if you make a change, then do you have a process around that change and why you make it? And then just show some consistency about what you do and how you do it. They don't want to see something erratic that takes place that looks like you're kind of manipulating values. So we, we certainly help with that part. In terms of the board, I would say that uh, the, the, so how so how to book a value and what regulators think about that, that really is from the accounting side as, reg, as, as also from the regulator side. From the board, they're just trying to figure out what makes a loan stay on the books and what doesn't. And a lot of times they, sometimes intuitiveness um, does not apply to the actual value of MSR. For example, a lot of people would think if I had a higher balance loan, it's going to give me more escrows, so therefore I want more of those. And then if I, you know, and then if I have high FICO combined with that, that's a really great book for me. Uh, the reality is, the, the higher the balance, the higher the FICO score, the more likely to refi. So it's uh, some some things like that are are counterintuitive for folks that haven't had to dig into the performance of you know portfolios. So hope that helps. Yeah, so when you're talking about regulators and have they changed in their view? You just mentioned about FHA trying to get these people to value on a more fa- a faster method than just once in a while. Um, or talk about what you see as the trends on the regulator side as far as MSRs are concerned. Well, I think what the regulators have been faced with is watching a wide variety of values. And when it comes to regulators, unfortunately, they, they're not familiar with MSR. So they're just looking at the final output and the numbers. And so they're going, well, why is this number so different than client B that we just came from? Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of what they're they're trying to face. Also, they're, what they're looking at is how did the value affect, you know, the profit loss statement of, of whatever mm-hmm. entity that is. And they, you know, and, um, because they, they have, because values have gone up and down, there has been, um, I think uh, I think they're concerned, is there some manipulation on the value, uh, particularly at year end, you know, that has any yeah. weight or bearing on bonuses or things like that. So, or whatever the outcome is for, you know, that entity to, to show a higher value. So I, I think that's really kind of the, it seems to be kind of the theme that we're watching. And it's it's become more prevalent because there's been this you know um, really kind of roller coaster ride on what values have looked like over the course of the last three years. So David, I have to ask this question as an ex capital markets person myself. Does it often surprise you or not surprise you when they play around with values to improve pricing on the front end? <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, if you've, uh, if, if there's always a loan officer in the equation somewhere, right? So sure. you're, you're, you're certainly always going to be getting a call and saying, you know, you're, you know, I, you guys, I don't know what y'all are doing up there in capital markets, but, uh, you know, I'm getting my pants beat off out here in the, in the field. So, you know, that's the oldest story that there ever was. <laughs> I, I think what we try to do is certainly MSR is kind of a new place for people to look and die dial into to understand how does it impact my pricing how could it help me you know acquire the business I really want and stay away from the business I really don't want and that that's been a big place of education for us um, and so what we've we can dial into loan level MSR values to kind of help people understand what the MSR values are and we try to help them with fence posts you know guide really guide rails in the road. The primary uh, one is fair value being kind of the center point. Um, and really, when you look at fair value, that's really where most people try to manage their book because over, over time, the MSR value should be a fairly consistent item, a fairly consistent value. So, but you still have to take into account what somebody's willing to pay for it. And, and that's certainly what we would call market value. It's in, in the problem there is, is that people are see that price and go, how can they give that price? But nine times out of 10, we don't, the person looking at what somebody's willing to pay are unfamiliar with the driving factors behind why they can deliver that kind of price. And so you, so long as you know those two kind of markers in the road, and then the third one would be your own economic cost. And for you to hold the loan, what's the MSR value worth? If you have those kind of three kind of guardrails in the road there, you can kind of figure out and make strategic decisions from there. What's what's a reasonable price for you to pay? Well, David, we could talk for hours about this because I find it very fascinating, but we only have a few minutes left today. What are some of this, the recommendations that you would make for our listeners today when it comes to MSRs? First and foremost, if you have a portfolio, I, I'd make sure that you feel comfortable with the value and you feel like you can well represent it to your accounting people, your CFO, your leadership team, and any regulator. That'd be first and foremost, because that's what's going to make you sleep at night or not. Second of all, you have the opportunity to look at how MSR can affect and create a more creative or even probably a, a better strategy on how you go after certain loan types, property types, geographic areas, than you're currently doing today. Um, and then the third thing is, is, uh, is you should stay in touch with what's the market value of your portfolio, because there uh, there may be an opportunity to sell. You know, you want to obviously try to hit the peak of the market. And you want to, you know, have folks that can help you decide if that's a good time or not and what portion of your book might be worth selling or not. So I'd say those are the three big things I would walk away with. Well, I want to thank you today, David, for sharing all your wisdom on this important topic. Certainly, it's been fabulous. And I want to thank our listeners today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Manager Playbook. 
You can catch up on all our episodes by subscribing to receive each week a new show. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and team members. If you're looking to increase production, call me to discuss my prospecting sales training program, Ramping Up Realtor Referral Sources. Check out my website, www.patsherlock.com.